The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Welcome back to Becky Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still plenty to get to here on the program, including, of course, the game of the week between the Dolphins and the Ravens. But now it is time for, well, it's Friday. You know what we do every Friday. It's none other than John Daigle. He uh, will be joining us uh, in just a few moments. And uh, we were talking about during the break about uh, some MVP plays that went well and not so well for us in terms of trying to project who's still very much in the running and all of that fun stuff. So, yes, that will be uh, interesting to say the least as far as that goes. Uh Let's get into John. Uh, let's get to John here now. Uh, make sure to follow him on X at non non not Jay Daigle uh, for all and of not. his fantastic insights. John, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Greatly appreciate it. So you know this whole MVP conversation has been fascinating because while I know that Lamar Jackson is sort of the the flavor of the week, I guess at the same time, like the counting stats aren't there. And so to me, it seems like he's still very much susceptible to losing that top spot if, say, he loses to the Dolphins outright or, say, Josh Allen goes nuclear and somehow wins uh, the AFC East. What say you? Who do you feel like are the, the real contenders who can still win this award? I still think it is down to Dak, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, although I disagree with the sentiment that he's the favorite or should be the favorite and Josh Allen. Um, I agree with you in that Lamar does not have the counting stats, although it is a quarterback award and unlike coach of the year, which is a fun argument to make this season. It's not also, or it's also one that the wins do matter for the award, which is why it's a 
dumb award to give away to begin with. But here we are <laughs> arguing in an ambiguous season, who's it going to be? And genuinely, it's now just coming down to who has the easiest schedule over the next two games. And even for the Bills and Josh Allen, <clears throat> still a great spot to bet Josh Allen, honestly. And we do know, although they beat Miami a 28-point win earlier this season, it's also been an entirely different Dolphins defense since they got Jalen Ramsey back. I know the argument for a little bit there was because of the schedule they've played in that time, but just to also limit the potent Cowboys offense does make you think that it's going to be an entirely different game between those two teams, Buffalo included, and Week 18. So to me, that's still the pool. It is wide open, so the longest number is probably the way to bet it here among one of those four players. But honestly, like I'm just I have such tired head talking about it. It's a lot like the draft market. <laughs> And that it was constantly wavering overnight. And eventually we just got, I just got to the point where I was like, there is no way CJ Stroud can go outside the top three because he's just too good of a quarterback. Someone's playing games here. That's kind of the way I feel like it now, where I'm just done with it because the numbers have moved so much for Purdy to fall flat. And was it a bad performance? Yes, but there was a lot of other things that went wrong in that game. I, I can't imagine mm -hmm. it plays out like that if we played another 10 times as well. So I'm just waiting for it, but right now I still think Purdy, Dak, and uh, and yes, Josh Allen are still my three favorites. Well, you brought up Coach of the Year, one of my favorite markets, and we've seen Dan Campbell, McDaniel, even uh, D'Amico Ryan's at the top of the board, but now Stefanski, a heavy favorite, deservedly so. Uh, do you think this is his award to lose? And before that win last night, he was tied with Dan Campbell at BetMGM at plus 175 each. It's honestly the only award they give out that they put reason into. And they should treat every award like this where it's nuanced and we can make it a case-by-case -case basis. Even two years ago, remember, with Zach Taylor leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl, not only did Mike Vrabel win it, for making the most out of the least, which is usually what this award boils down to. Everyone forgets Rich Passaccia got voted third over Zach Taylor, who got fourth. Because, again, Passaccia stepped in as interim coach and got the most out of that Raiders team, which is why I also kind of think Antonio Pierce, he's not going to win it, but he's gonna he could actually finish top three in the award. And then last season, Brian Dable, everyone remembers, over Nick Sirianni. So... If you're just asking who has made the most at the least, I do think it is Kevin Stefanski and then whomever wins the AFC South. And right now, that's also a, a giant toss-up. It seems like we're getting CJ Stroud back in a favorable matchup. The the dog I'm watching right it. now is, is playing with pizza underneath me. I got him a new toy, and he's obsessed with it, so apologies. I threw it in is the living room, dog? but apparently he didn't. Uh, yes, it is. It's a little... Rocky, come here. Well, I'll try. I'll try to make him appearance later. We're a big dog he show. Runs yeah. Yes, he runs away Huge. whenever I try to steal pizza from him. Um, but no. So I do think it's going to be boiled down to D'Amico Ryan's, Shane Steichen, uh, and probably Kevin Stefanski. Those are my three guys. And with CJ Stroud coming back, we did see Brock Purdy and Trevor Lawrence struggle when they returned from concussion. Also, we've seen wide receivers struggle as well in their first game back from that injury. So I do question with Stroud like being on the sideline with a serious concussion the last two weeks if he's going to be at full strength. But it's such a soft matchup that I can't imagine he fails in this spot. So it is favorable considering that the Texans are also uh, coming down to two division games these last two weeks. 
Let's get to Saturday night uh, between the Lions and the Cowboys here because on the Cowboys side, I think it's safe to say that C.D. Lamb could have a monster outing just in terms of going up against this Lions defense. Not great against slot receivers. And look, you know, the Cowboys at home, massive, you know, massive positive regression due for them. But it's also possible this Lions offense goes nuclear as well. Who do you feel like are the best prop plays, the guys you can back in this contest? It is completely terrifying because, yes, I do like the over. Uh, I'm glad this one stands alone on Saturday night because I do not think either defense can stop the other offense. But where I lean is that the strengths of both offenses are really what work best here, whether it's the Dak and the Cowboys passing offense, as you mentioned, for regression through the air against this miserable Lions secondary, or on the other side of the ball, everyone does think that the Lions can get there in the passing game. Maybe they can, but honestly, it's the running game that matches up so well with this Cowboys front seven that also cannot stop the run. So where I lean is David Montgomery overs. Um, BetMGM and other books have figured out that Jameer Gibbs has hit his longest rush prop in nine consecutive games. So they stole that from Mm -hmm. us, but I'm waiting for it also to be released. Even something, because the highest they've gone so far is 16 and a half, and it doesn't matter. Gibbs is always good for a 20-yard play every single week. So I'm waiting on that to be released. But I do think the running backs are the biggest part here. So much so that... Again, it's it's like I mentioned with Carolina last week. I put real money on this. It's my worst bet ever, even though we got there with the Panthers last week. But I do also have Jared Goff under passing props, under 254.5 last I looked, because of how poor, actually, he matches up against the way the Cowboys play defense. One of only two defenses playing man coverage with the Patriots on over 40% of their defensive snaps, and that's what Goff has struggled against this year. They do have the pieces, like Sam Laporta, who I think is in a bounce-back game that has historically performed well this year against man in particular, like he did against the Broncos. But overall, I do think it's a game where they don't need to pass the ball, honestly, because Montgomery and Gibbs are going to have so much success. So whether it's Montgomery over 13.5 carries, over 55.5 rushing yards, I think believe it was last I looked this morning, uh, that's actually where I'm leaning in this game. Yeah, I like that. I like the Lions in the run game for sure. What uh, what are your other favorite props for the weekend besides this game? I'm on a I'm on a lot of totals this week, but that includes mm. New Orleans Saints and my favorite prop of the week is Chris Olave over receiving yards. Uh, we've seen now in his last eight healthy games, he's seen at least eight targets. He's getting the opportunity. And last week, which feels like an eternity ago, It doesn't even seem like the Saints played the Rams point this season, let alone just last week. But whenever Olave returned from his ankle injury, they did release his prop at 63 and a half. And I thought that's far too low. And then, of course, he went up last week, albeit in in garbage time with Derrick. But it's the same thing this week. It's only 66 and a half. And it's such a soft spot against this Bucks secondary that has struggled even to cover Trevor Lawrence fighting through an ankle injury and C.J. Beathard when he came off the bench last week. Not only that, but the Bucks and Todd Bowles are blitzing at the league's third highest rate, and Chris Olave has 26% of the team's targets against the blitz. So it's a spot where I'm going right back to not only that prop, but also laddering it up over 100 yards because I do think it's a great environment for both sides of the ball. That makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's something where I have backed uh, sort of the Saints as a teaser leg here, still trying to figure out what to pair it with, but I do think uh, the Saints can at least keep this game close 
divisional rivalry, lots of fantastic matchups over the years, even though the quarterbacks have changed, I think still the essence remains the same. So that definitely makes a lot of sense that Olave could be a big reason why the Saints keep this thing close. As far as the Rams and the Giants are concerned, what are we to make with Tyrod Taylor here? Do you feel like that he can do enough to keep the Giants competitive in a game like this? Or is this something where the Rams can blow the Giants out of the water as they sort of contend for uh, one of those remaining wild card spots? And if the Rams do go nuclear, is it more because of Kyron Williams or because of the passing attack? Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. It's most likely due to both, because now we've seen with all three on the field, Kyron, Puka, and Cooper Cup, the Rams are averaging over six yards per play. Like, their offense has been outstanding, <laughs> and it only helps that Cooper Cup seems to have been over what was a second injury a few weeks back, because these last three games, he does look the full strength. Not only that, but we know Wink is going to send the house. He's never seen a defensive snap that he doesn't want to send everyone on. And Puka has also, like Alave, seen a majority of the team's targets against the Blitz. So I do like Puka in this spot to bounce back as well and just back it up with another successful game here. But honestly, it's a situation where I think everyone gets there and I get most excited about the Rams offense in this one and any props you want to bet because, as you mentioned, of Tyrod Taylor, who now we've seen him come off the bench a couple times this year, even on Sunday night against Buffalo a couple months back, and he does provide pop. It's all relative when I say he's been the Giants' best quarterback, but genuinely, he's been the Giants' best quarterback. <laughs> Even last week, coming off the bench over eight yards per attempt, threw it deep to Darius Slayton, who I am backing yet again in this game since we've seen the Rams' defense really fall apart. Their young players sort of dwindling over this last part of the season as they get accustomed to just the, the ebbs and tolls that the league takes on you towards this part of the year. So I do think Tyra Taylor actually provides a lot of juice off the bench, and that's how we're going to get this over. I think the number is still too low. I bet it on Sunday. I bet it on Monday uh, because I do believe both offenses will have ease moving the ball in this game. You mentioned that you like a lot of totals this weekend. What's really caught your eye where there's still some value? That is another one. And then I am also on, although I've lost confidence in the Chargers Broncos. I admittedly bet it on Monday because I understand like no one probably watched Saturday. No one, everyone was doing family things. We could Having political arguments. <laughs> Yes, we were, we are having political arguments with our family. There was just no way we could make time for football. But although the Chargers <laughs> lost by two points, nothing changed under Giff Smith's defense. They were still just as bad as ever. Six and a half yards for play for Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen went over 11 yards per attempt. And Jared Stidham, his performance against the Niners last year lives written free in my head. It was literally one of the best performances by any quarterback all year long, and I don't know. So I do think Stidham will add some juice to the offense, and the number is now going down. Last I checked, still 138. So I did bet the over on Monday. And then also the over is very clearly like the cleanest spot possible for Brock Purdy to bounce back. You, could, you couldn't pick a better one. Purdy still leads the league with 10.5 yards per attempt from a clean pocket, and here come the commanders who are the only defense creating pressure on under 30% of dropbacks since they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Uh, not only that, but Jacoby Brissett, as we know, has come off the bench the last two weeks. 
ruined our Terry McLaurin pop props in two weeks straight because McLaurin wasn't doing anything from Sam Howell. And all five of those possessions Brissett has commanded have ended in touchdowns. Uh, not only that, but the boundary is where the 49ers are weakest, just from a personnel standpoint as well, allowing the second most catches to opposing receivers from out wide. So whether it's the over in that game or Terry McLaurin over receiving props, I think that game has a lot of pop too. So what are we supposed to do about Sunday night football between the Packers and the Vikings? Does it even matter who's starting for Minnesota, given just how putrid this Packers defense has been? I know the public, like the handle is coming in on the over. I get it. I'm still very worried, though. Uh, Jaron Hall does add something a little extra. He's carried the ball on four of his 14 dropbacks. He's going to run a lot. That's who he was at BYU as well. And so I think he'll move the ball. I do think it's going to be a slower paced game though. The Vikings defense is also over the second half of the season, as we know, still top 10 in basically every category, EPA per play, success rate on dropbacks. So overall with the injuries also combined in no TG Hawkinson, Jordan Addison looks like he's going to go, although we don't know if he's at full strength and we don't even know if the passing game has a ceiling from Jaron Hall. Not to mention, we are still waiting on Dontavian Wicks and Christian Watson. Watson, who doesn't seem like he's going to play. Jaden Reed seems like he'll eke it out. I think there are enough injuries, honestly, in that game for me to still be on the under, despite Joe Barry uh, hanging around just because the organization's lazy. It's very clear that they just don't want to do anything at this point. They're just like, yeah, sure, he'll figure it out. And then they're going to fire him at the end of the year. But there's too many injuries for me and just it's such an ambiguous game that I don't want to bet on the over it's also amazing that Nick Mullins I I know what happened the rest of the game but it's incredible that he can come off the bench throw for 400 yards and even the coach was like yeah that it doesn't matter at all because that dude was just praying it beyond 20 yards and uh the other team was having a better time than the Vikings were five seconds dry January you in or out on absolutely not Absolutely not. Good. No way. Yes, I no. love it. I, I hate I'm it. too much of a I'm too much of a beer connoisseur, and uh, I love making cocktails as well. No way. Absolutely not. <laughs> What's your My go-to guy. cocktail, real quickly? I make all of them. Uh, I actually grow my own herbs for the cocktails as well. Wow. That's awesome. But bourbon. Party Bur- at day. Bourbon and mezcal. Bourbon and mezcal. Bourbon cocktail. Yes. Nice. John Daigle, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. More games, including Bills, Pats, Chiefs, and Bengals right here on the BetQL Network.